the starting point for every all of your listeners is make sure your website is responsive so that it looks good on a smaller screen. DigitalMarketingRadio.com The Big Interview with David Bain Why is it essential to claim your business online? How differently do customers interact with mobile compared with desktop? And how are the most progressive businesses using mobile marketing in 2014? Those are just three of the questions that I intend to ask today's special guest, Jamie Turner. Jamie, welcome to DMR. Ah, glad to be here. I'm really flattered that you asked me to join in the conversation. Wonderful to have you. Well, Jamie's an internationally recognized author and thought leader who's helped the Coca-Cola company, AT&T, and CNN to tackle complex marketing issues. He's also co-author of Go Mobile, which was the number one best-selling mobile marketing book on Amazon. So, Jamie, I guess mobile marketing has gone from starting to happen in 2012 to absolutely essential in 2014. It, it really has. I mean, we're really in an era where people are using mobile more and more frequently to connect with the brands they love. In fact, I know you're based out of the UK. I was born in London. But in the United States, more than 50% of our time is spent on mobile devices. Now, let me define that so that uh, it doesn't throw a, a curveball to too many people. Mobile is defined as a smartphone or a tablet. But if you take those two things and put them together, more than 50% of the average person's time in the United States is now spent on mobile devices as opposed to their desktop computer. So, so it's finally the year of mobile. It's actually <laughs> here. People have been talking about this is the year of mobile forever. We're actually really doing it, and, uh, and things are rocking and rolling on that front. Okay, yeah, and it's an incredible rate that it's actually grown at because just in the last couple of years, it's gone from probably about 10% of the marketplace to, to 50% plus for many businesses. Um, you mentioned smartphone and tablet there. Do you notice any difference in user interaction with websites or apps based upon whether they're using a smartphone or using a tablet? Yeah, there's a great line for your listeners to remember when it comes to mobile. The smaller the screen, the closer the consumer is to purchase. So in the early stages, people start doing research on their desktop. So it's a larger screen, the largest of the three. So they're looking around, they're kind of doing a deep dive into products, services, whatever it is you have. Um, if you are then, let's say you're a retailer and you sell clothing. Uh, by the time somebody starts messing around on your website via their tablet, that means they're maybe watching TV, they see a commercial for your uh, company, they go ahead and flip through and go, well, let me visit the website right now. So now they're starting to go, oh, where is that location, where, this, where, where can I find the sale on these clothes? Then by the time it's the smallest screen, the smartphone, they're typically in-store or on the way to your store. So they're taking a look at things. Now they're in-store. Maybe if you're, let's say, an electronics retailer, they're in-store comparing prices between your location and the other company that, that, that you're competing against. So that's a great way to think about mobile. The smaller the screen, the closer somebody, t somebody typically is to purchase. And is there a certain time of day that a user is more likely to use a tablet or use a smartphone? Um, is there a certain time of day that it's more appropriate for a business to be targeting a user presuming that they're going to be on a certain size of device? Well, that's a great question. When you get into the really sophisticated side of mobile, we can start tracking your uh, use of devices across platforms. So it may start out 
in the morning that you check your emails on your smartphone, maybe, we can take a look at that. And then, then in the middle of the day, you might be checking uh, stock prices off of your desktop. And then later in the day, you might be on your tablet eating lunch and just doing something else. And then finally, at the end of the day, you might be back on your smartphone uh, while you're on the way to the gym, that kind of thing. It varies on a customer-by-customer basis. But we can start, believe it or not, and this freaks some people out, uh, we can can track uh, usage across platforms and start seeing where people are, are accessing and using uh, visiting your brand website based on the size of the screen and we can figure all that stuff out and it really gets interesting and, and kind of sophisticated kind of complex but it's uh, it's the kind of thing that I as a marketer love uh, you as a marketer might love uh, a lot of people get a little bit freaked out about it um, but let me just assure everybody we're really looking at data and statistics we're not looking at you individually we're not tracking you uh, we are tracking statistics and data points. And I'll say one more thing on that just to calm the privacy advocates down. Um, bottom line is the direct mail industry has known way more about you for 50 or 60 years than the mobile marketing industry. So what I mean by that is a direct mailer knows your credit history. They know where you went on vacation last year. They know what car you drive. And they, know, they know all that stuff. We don't know any of that stuff. What we know is that you're a data point, a statistic that uh, happens to be on their smartphone at this particular time, and we can send you a message based on that. And um, does this type of marketing change or the success of it change on an industry-by-industry basis? Because um, you, you, from, from your experience, I'm sure you find the pickup of more effective mobile marketing to be more prominent in certain industries. Yeah, and we do, you know, my company, uh, 60 Second Communications, we do a ton of different mobile for a variety of different clients. And there are, mobile is not a silver bullet. It's not going to solve everybody's problem. You know, a few years ago, everybody was like, oh, it's all about social. And then, you know, now it's all about mobile. And, and, and I'm the first person to say, hey, the bottom line is you have to figure out what works and some things work better for other for for some brands and versus others. So to answer your question, uh, mobile is great for uh, low consideration purchases, things where somebody's looking for a coffee shop, somebody's looking for a bookstore, somebody's looking for uh, a retailer, and they 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 are looking on their smartphone to, at a stoplight or on a street corner while they're standing there, saying, "Where's the nearest bookstore, or coffee shop, or restaurant?" That's perfect. Mobile's not good for um, B2B. It's a little hard to do mobile on the B2B side of the equation because typically what you're trying to do in the business-to-business world is generate a lead for a salesperson. And it's difficult to get people to fill out forms on a mobile device uh, because they they don't want to fill out forms with their thumbs. So lead generation on mobile is a little bit difficult, but other things like restaurants, coffee shops, all that stuff, it's perfect for. Okay, so um, mobile can be great for local businesses like restaurants, um, mm-hmm. but of course, because of responsive design, um, mobile is an, an essential consideration for just about every business out there. Would you say that's a fair statement? Yeah, let me tell you a story that happened not too long ago. Uh, great question. I mean, good lead into this thing that happened. I I got a phone call again. We we I'm a author, speaker, but I also have an ad agency. And so I get a call from a client prospect, somebody I'd known years ago. 
she's like, Jamie, uh, we need a mobile app. And I'm like, okay, cool. Well, let's talk about, you know, what your goals and objectives are. She's like, listen, we need a mobile app. You know, let's just do a mobile app. And I'm like, well, wait, 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 wait. Let me come out. Let me talk to you. Let's just talk about what you need. Well, I get out there. They don't even have a mobile website yet, a responsive design website. Mm. So I said, well, the first starting point before you get to a mobile app is let's get uh, your website upgraded so it's responsive and can actually be seen on a mobile device. And then let's start talking about what your goals and objectives are and go down. It, the, a mobile app is typically like the fifth, sixth, or seventh thing I'd recommend to people. The starting point for every all of your listeners is make sure your website is responsive so that it looks good on a smaller screen. The second thing after that that's really easy to get into is mobile paid search. Just go to Google or Bing or Yahoo or anything and use their – they'll have a – when you buy uh, paid search ads, you can just say, yes, I want this to land on mobile devices. Then after that, you can start getting into other things like – um, location-based services. So, if you're a restaurant, you want to have act, you want to you want to have connected with Yelp uh, or a company called Scavenger, any of those services that are out there. Then, after that, you might get into a mobile app and some of the other things way down the line. But the first thing first is a responsive web design that takes the size of the screen into consideration and serves up a mobile website so that the user can see that and, and actually respond to it properly. Absolutely. Um, getting a decent website is it has to be first port of call, but for many businesses, they jump on social or they jump on another form of digital interaction before they even consider what their call to action is, what they want their customers to do when they land on their website. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Uh, they aren't thinking through, well, that that raises a larger issue, which is, What's, what's your customer journey? When I tell people to think about developing a mobile website or responsive design, think about where your customer is at the time that they're going to be accessing your mobile site. Again, jumping back to the restaurant example, what do they want to see? Well, they, they just want to see your location. They want to see your hours of operation. They might want to see the prices on your menu. And they want a phone number. Those are the only things they really want to see. So you have to factor those things in. If you're a law firm, it's totally different. They want to see different things on their on your mobile website for a law firm. So so jumping back to where you were going with that, you have to think through where is my consumer, what mindset are they going to be in when they're engaging with my brand via a mobile device, and what do I want them to do once they are with us? Do I want them to call me? Do I want them to fill out a form? Do I want them just to visit our uh, menu page, whatever it is? Just think that through so that you can properly engage with them and get them to t do the behavior you want them to do. Right, okay. And a mobile consumer can, of course, also be an engaged consumer. And that probably means a consumer that's quite comfortable being social as well. Um, how has social uh, changed in the mobile environment? Well, uh, you know, I've just released the second uh, edition of How to Make Money with Social Media. Uh, it, it'll be available in the UK as well as the US and then around the globe after that. And the, we have an entire section devoted to the merging of social and mobile. So we used to say, hey, you should do social or mobile. Well, they've merged because social is mobile. The bottom line is that Facebook generates more than 50% of their revenues from the mobile version of their advertising. So companies all over the place, and that should include everybody listening to this, uh, this broadcast right now, 
think through how am I using social slash mobile to engage with my customer because they are probably visiting, uh, they're probably engaging on the social side of the equation with you via a smartphone or a tablet. So they've kind of merged, they, they, they've kind of come together, they're kind of one and the same and you, you, you want to communicate to people via social, that's great. About half the time they're going to be commu- engaging with your social media platform off of their mobile device. So keep that in mind as you start doing the kinds of things that you'd be doing with them. Now, some of the biggest mistakes that companies have made in the past with social is to just sell and not interact at all. Do you still see those kind of mistakes being used over mobile devices or are there new, different mistakes that companies are making nowadays? You know, that that has been a big mistake for companies. I'm going to play contrarian here because I have a blog, I have all these things, I engage with people on the social side of the equation. I'm now actually creeping a little bit towards, you know, a sales talk, not the heavy-handed 20th century buy our product now stuff. But I think if somebody, and this goes again to your listeners, I, I think if somebody is, and, and readers and all that sort of stuff, but I think somebody, if they sit down and they want to engage with your brand, why do they want to engage with your brand? To get a deal, to get a special offer. So I think it's okay. I think the world of don't ever sell on social, I play a little contrarian on that, and I'm a little getting more over to the, hey, if you're following me on Facebook, you might want you know a special deal from us. That's, that's starting to get okay, and people are getting a little more comfortable with it. So the, the meter is, the, the pendulum has swung a little bit closer, uh, is starting to swing back a little bit to that sales stuff. It'll never get back to the 20th century model of, you know, broadcasting loud, you know, buy now things. But, but if somebody's following you on social media, whether they're accessing it via uh, smartphone or desktop, they're probably following you because they want a special deal, a special offer. So you might as well meet them halfway on that. Okay, so some sales stuff is okay on social. Um, how much is some? Um, is I would imagine that isn't um, trying to sell on every kind of interaction, every kind of post. What, yeah. what, what percentage is reasonable? Well, that's a great question. If, if, if you look at uh, where it used to be, let's say a year or two ago on the social side of the equation, we'd say don't ever sell on social. It's just designed to deepen your relationship with a customer. Um, and that, let's say that's at 0% selling. And let's say a TV commercial that's about, uh, you know, 20th century TV commercial that's about buy now, buy now, buy now, we have a spe- special sale going on, is at 100%. I would say we should be on the social side of the equation about 10, 20% towards the, the overt selling. So that would mean, hi, uh, hope you're enjoying our blog on design tips. Um, by the way, uh, we're also having a sale on, you know, uh, throw pillows this week, you know. So you're kind of doing the, hey, you're here visiting our blog or visiting our Facebook page to find out about design tips because we're a company that happens to sell design stuff. Uh, it's okay to throw in the fact that you're having a sale on it, but just lead with helpful information and then follow with the selling information. Right, okay. It's, it's a fine line that, that companies struggle with and they're going to struggle with in the future, but it's, it's interesting to see how things evolve online, and I'm sure things will evolve even 
evolve rather even even yeah. further um over the coming years but but let's move on to the second section of our discussion and that's where we focus on your general thoughts on what's happening in digital marketing today starting with software i couldn't live without what software do you currently use in your business that if someone took away from you it would significantly impact the success of your business uh, a big believer in WordPress just as a blogging platform. Uh, I think that's awesome. Uh, there's a couple of other ones out there. Octopost, believe it or not, is a uh, social media management tool. They're kind of new on the radar screen for everybody, but that is something we use on a daily basis for to, bro- to broadcast out our, our blog posts. Again, both of those are kind of in the cloud software. Uh, but both of them are platforms that I think I wouldn't, on a daily basis, I use both of those, and I think they're absolutely terrific, seamless, integrated, all that sort of great stuff. Right, okay, Octopus, I don't think I've heard of that one before. Is that something like Hootsuite? It is. It's Hootsuite on steroids. So it basically is a platform, where a social media marketing platform, where you can, management platform, I should say, where you can go in and use it as a way to let people know about uh, that you're, you now have uploaded a new blog post. It's kind of new on the radar screen, but we've been really, really happy with it. They, uh, we started working with them or using them uh, probably about four or five uh, months ago. And then also, you know, uh, marketing automation is coming online. Acton is a terrific product. Marketing automation just being an email marketing tool on steroids that lets you go ahead and start um, watching how people access your what, what they're clicking through on, what they're visiting on your uh, website when they do click through. Those kinds of tools are really, really powerful too. And I think people are getting more and more used to using those now. So what kind of software have you heard good things about, but you don't actually use at the moment, but you intend to perhaps try at some point in the future? I, I keep hearing great things about Infusionsoft. Mm. I I have used Infusionsoft. Not a fan. You know, I'll just be totally honest with you. Um, I've seen some things out there. I, it just seemed a little complex. Now, I do have to say on Infusionsoft, again, a marketing automation uh, software platform, um, that uh, that that uh, that maybe they've upgraded it, but a few year a year or two ago when I used it, I was like, this stuff's complex and it's hard to use. They've probably improved it an awful lot since then, so I can't come down on them too hard. But uh, but you were just asking, hey, what what's out there that you're planning on using in the future? That would be one I've used. Maybe I'll use it again in the future because hopefully they've made it a little more intuitive and easy to use moving down the pike. Mm, marketing automation tools um, are, are, do look quite incredible. I, I haven't really interacted with many of them. I, I mean, I'm still on um, a combination between Aweber and Mailchimp for email communications, but it obviously doesn't give you as much um, information, and obviously doesn't let you create your own landing pages and um, and really separate leads into yeah. in, into so many different sections. So these kind of tools are are, are more essential for the future. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right on that. So, um, moving on to... I wish I would have. I'd like you to look back on the very first day that you were involved in trying to market a business online. What didn't you do well? What do you think that you should have done differently? Oh, I love that one. But, you know, that that would... Do we have five hours for me to answer what I should have done or what I would have done differently? We've, we've only got yeah. another four hours, I'm afraid. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh boy, there's so many things that, uh, that I would have done differently, uh, probably would have gotten into, um, uh, measuring and being metrics based a little bit earlier for several clients. 
because uh, yeah, I came out of the world of branding and did work for AT&T and Coca-Cola on the branding front. Um, branding is great, but in the end, today's world is really about statistics and data. And, um, and I am not a statistician, um, and I wish, I wish I'd surrounded myself with more statisticians earlier because, because so much of what's going on now in the marketing front is data-centric, and you really need to know that kind of stuff heading in. And so, uh, so, so long, long story short on that one is uh, for all of my clients, I wish I had uh, gotten into the data side of the equation a little earlier because I would have been better able to help them more efficiently and better and, uh, and more effectively if I'd really focused on that side of the equation instead of always talking about the brand. And while that's still important, uh, it's, it's really marketing today is being led by data, statistics, and information. So what are the most common mistakes that you see digital marketing newbies making nowadays? Uh, you know, it goes back to what I, that, that, that sort of idea that they're, that they're not tracking, they're not understanding um, the power of analytics and data. So let's give, let's, let me give you an example on that. An important concept in marketing is customer lifetime value. How much money you're going to generate, this is a very simplified idea, a version of customer lifetime value, but how much money you generate from a uh, client, uh, from a customer when you get a customer um, over the course of their lifetime with your brand. So let me take that a step further. If you're a, uh, a lawn care service and a customer comes in and they spend a hundred pounds a month with you, um, and then they, which would be a lot, I guess, even in London. Mm -hmm. uh, so let, but let's just make the math easy. They spend a hundred pounds a month for you to take care of their uh, uh, lawn, but they also stay with you for an average of twelve months. Well, that's twelve hundred pounds. That's a very simplified version of your customer lifetime value. When you start saying, "If that's my customer lifetime value, how much can I spend?" in order to acquire a new customer, a general rule of thumb is 10% of that. So I can spend 100 pounds to get a new customer because every time I spend 100 pounds and as long as I get one new customer for 100 pounds in marketing dollars, then I'll generate in the long run 1,200 pounds in revenue from them. And you can start using that calculation to figure out how effective you're being and things like that. Now I talk about this in the book how to make money with social media, the bottom line is you can go in and use that calculation to start figuring out if your marketing is actually generating a positive ROI. So I've covered a ton of, lot of ground there. I, it can get confusing, but, I, but that's a foundational concept that I think all marketers need to start moving towards and getting into because it's so much easier in this day and age with digital marketing to track the success or failure of your campaigns, and it all starts with what's your customer lifetime value. So are there more companies that underestimate their lifetime value, overestimate the lifetime value, or don't know the lifetime value of their customers? <laughs> I would say the, the majority of companies don't know the lifetime value wow. of their customers. So, so uh, the, the real sophisticated ones are going to know. Let's say that's 20%. I'd say 70 to 80% of the companies that I've come across uh, don't know their customer lifetime value, don't even know how to calculate it. Um, and I do speeches around the globe. I'll be in 
Norway or Sweden or Cairo, where I was just recently, and I'll say, how many people know what customer lifetime value is and how to calculate it? I would guess, and these are marketers in the room, I would guess 50% of the people don't know what it is or don't know how to calculate it, and then the other 50% might know the concept, but they haven't really put uh, put uh, pencil to paper to figure everything out. And that's one of the things I talk about when I do these speeches. Wow. Okay, um, moving on to... Best advice I've ever received. What's the best piece of digital marketing advice that you've ever received? Why was it so good and how did it impact your business? I, you know, I'm going to... Right when you hit that, you know, what's the best advice you received, I, it triggered a memory in, in me that I'll, I'll answer this. It's not digital advice. It was really business advice. Years ago, I used to work with my father. I actually started an agency... My father was a madman in the United States. That means he worked on Madison Avenue. And he worked side by side with David Ogilvy, so somebody you'd be familiar mm. with. And, uh, and so I remember going to him, and uh, I had a business issue I was confronting in the office. And he said, remember that your boss uh, has 37 things on his or her mind that are pressure, that are bothering him or her. If you can relieve the pressure on one or two of those things, they'll be forever indebted to you. So every day, be thinking about what can I do with my bo- for my boss that will relieve the pressure they're under so that I can then go in and, and, and become valuable to them. And I thought it was great advice because I started going into my bosses after that and just saying, hey, um, you know, anything I can take off your plate? And they'd be like, yeah, you know what? I got this thing that's bugging me and I can't, you know, I just have not been able to get to it. Can you take care of this? I'd say, sure, let me take care of it. And it has helped my career a lot throughout my life just because I've gone and helped people. Now I do it with my clients, but in my early days, I was doing it for my bosses and it really worked out great. A great way of getting recognized and, and fast-tracking your career. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's move on to the quick-fire round, which is called... The This or That Round. And um, just a quick response round, so ten quick questions. Try not to think about the answer too much. I'm just looking for your gut reaction. Ready to go? I am ready. Okay. Email or Twitter? Email, definitely. Audio or video? Uh, audio. Affiliates or display advertising? Display. Facebook or Google Plus? I'm a huge Google Plus fan. I hate Facebook. I know I'm in the minority there, but I just have never embraced that platform, although I've used it for my clients quite effectively. Online press releases or one-on-one relations? Depends on the business. (laughs) (laughs) Is the fence sore? (laughs) (laughs) One-on-one, yeah, no. One-on-one is perfect for business-to-business. Right. Uh, But if you're a business-to-consumer company, press releases would work better. Okay. Paid search or SEO? Uh, SEO. Email contact form or telephone number? Yeah, click that button again because so, I've gone long here so, <laughs> so that we hear the sound you effect. <laughs> You're back. I've run out of time. No, what was the question again? Email contact form or telephone number? Uh, email contact form. Website or app? Definitely website. I'm in the minority on that. Social subscriber or email subscriber? Definitely email subscriber. Local marketing or global marketing? Depends on the business. Uh, But if you're McDonald's, uh, think global, act local. (laughs) I'm sure I've heard that before somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) 
So that takes us on to... The $10,000 question. If I was to give you $10,000 and you had to spend it over the next few days on a single digital marketing activity, what would you spend it on and how would you measure success? I, honest to goodness, would spend it on email marketing. Not sexy, not cutting edge like mobile and social, but it's the thing that is so undervalued. And I would, I would spend it. Now, I would not spend it on buying an email list. Don't get me wrong. I would spend it on use, uh, figuring out a way to uh, use that budget in order to engage with customers either who are existing or are ready to sign up for our, my email news list, newsletter list and all that sort of stuff. But I think email marketing is way, way under leveraged. Odd coming from a guy who just wrote a book on social media and another book on go- mobile marketing. But I'm still a big, big believer in email marketing. Okay, so when you're focusing on uh, increasing the quantity of your email subscribers, what information do you need to ask for? Just your email, just the person's email address, or name and email address, or even more fields than that? I keep it limited to just name and email address, and because I, for me personally, what I'm trying to do is get subscribers to my e-newsletter so that I can then continue to stay in front of them. However, my co-author on Go Mobile is a woman named Jean Hopkins. She was working at HubSpot years ago and went in and said, and they had tons of fields that they filled out. They'd done the analysis for HubSpot, a B2B company. They said, hey, our analysis is the more fields that you have to fill out in order to get our free ebook, we know you're really interested in us when you fill out all those fields. Um, so we actually want more fields because it eliminates all the people who are not interested in our products and services. Okay, I, I guess the best answer is test, 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 and, and probably use a marketing automation tool to define whether or not um, quantity wins over quality at the end of the day. Yep, yep, I agree. I love a phrase uh, uh, similar to that, test your way to success, and it's a great sort of way to remember, continue to test, figure out what works for your business because what works for your business might be different than what works for my business. My number one takeaway. Well, Jamie, you've offered a lot of great advice in our conversation. Thanks for that. But what's the number one takeaway? What's the single most important step that our listeners need to take away and implement in their own businesses? Your customers are on mobile. You need to be there too. Start learning about mobile. Start jumping on mobile because if you don't meet your customers on their mobile devices, don't worry, your competitors will be doing it for you. And you don't want that to happen because they'll swoop in, grab your customers from you, and you'll be disappointed because your competitors will say, I'm jumping on the mobile front, I'm going to dive into this, and we're going to steal customers from you, you'll lose market share. So number one takeaway is get into mobile, get into mobile now, do it fast, because if you don't do it, your competitors will do it for you. Wonderful. Well, that takes us to the end of our discussion today. Thank you so much for your time, your focus, and your willingness to give back. What's the best way for our audience to find out more about you and what you do? Thanks, David. I appreciate it. Again, my name is Jamie Turner. I am uh, the uh, co-author of Go Mobile, as well as How to Make Money with Social Media. And you can reach me uh, via email is fine at jamie. That's J A M I E. Dot Turner at sixty. That's six zero second communications.com jamie.turner at 60secondcommunications.com wonderful thanks again thanks my friend hey thanks so much for joining us today on digital marketing radio remember you can get every interview before it's published as a podcast delivered as a weekly digital magazine automatically to your tablet or smartphone and that's for apple or android just go to digitalmarketingradio.com for links to where you can subscribe and join the rest of the Digital Marketing Radio posse. Catch you again soon. Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio, Digital Marketing Radio.
Yeah.